There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on October the 8th, 2013. For newcomers, please look into the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. There's lots of information to download over many years, in fact, that have been on the radio and so on. And uh, I've run through the system, the system we're born into to explain the fact that nothing happens by chance on any large scale in the world, in any country. It's planned that way at a global level years and years ahead. And, and truly we're living through a script. That's the important part. We're living through a script. And every part of this timetable does have its particular time for introduction, including the austerity measures. That's what all the hype is about today, in fact, with the, the nonsense in the U.S. I've never bored about uh, um, uh, the debt ceiling before. This is to train the public that a big change is coming into austerity, you see. And uh, they mentioned it right after the, the last bank crash, which was also planned in advance. The banks lost nothing. They were bailed out, of course. And they also ended up owing, owning lots and lots, actually millions of homes, houses as well, which are still selling off. So everything is planned in a global level by, by the, the global elites long in advance. And we're living through a script as we go through the amalgamation into the truly global system for world austerity and so on for the rest of the public in a tiny minority living uh, like even pharaohs couldn't imagine a long time ago. We above all of that today. Help yourself to the website, as I say, and I go through the history of it. I show you how the big foundations arose, these tax-exempt foundations, or philanthropic foundations, pretending to be charitable and fully directing the course of the world, doing all the cultural wars, the cultural revolutions, and so on, getting the public degenerate, basically, into the system so that they're easily ruled. And, and of course, once you do that, uh, the people can't stand up together. They don't have nothing in common with each other except their degeneracy and no one stands up for that. But when you have a really strong culture, you can see the enemies, you can see what they're up to, and you stand up uh, against them because you have so much in common, especially the family unit and so on. That had to go. That was one of the first things that had to go. So as I say, go through cuttingthroughthemedics.com. Remember, too, not, apart from all the audios you can download for free, you can get transcripts in English uh, of lots of the talks I've given as well. If you go into the sites listed there and go into Alan Watts Sentin- Sentinel.eu for transcripts for print up in other languages. But uh, it truly is astonishing to, to see that the big boys and their big global meetings are going on all the time under different names and so on, all connected generally through the United Nations have been at this for such a long, long time. Even before the United Nations, these private philanthropic organizations set up the, the League of Nations, the precursor of the UN, with the same goal, mind you, to, to unify the world. But they said they needed a world war to do it. And, of course, they got World War One. They still didn't do it. And so one of their mouthpieces, which was H.G. Wells, in fact, says we need another war. So they got World War Two on the go. And they financed Germany up to a level where they could actually get it going. So we're really living through a script, as I say, a script.
And uh, the public don't matter so much. The proles don't matter, as George Orwell said. The general population are called the silent majority. They're not organized in any way. Uh, they've been trained in facts that uh, to just live in their little homes and watch television, and they don't even know their neighbours. And today, with with the crime and all the rest of it, you don't really want to know your neighbours some of the time. So this is the society it was created for. You didn't used to be like that. You didn't have the crime either. That was all promoted through the revolutions. Most most revolutions, remember, are non-bloody. They're cultural revolutions, and that's a big part of the Soviet-type system was cultural revolution. Uh, Besmanov, I've mentioned him before, the defector from the Soviet Union in the 70s, and he actually came over and he said had already been accomplished by, by the time he came over, and they were all astonished at how well uh, the, the, the destruction of the American culture and the Western culture, as Britain and so on, had, had been through the, uh, all the, the big protests of the 60s, the sexual liberation movement was all part of it, uh, the hippie movement, uh, peace, 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 and etc., etc. So it's, it's been awfully, awfully uh, well accomplished. Today we're being trained into the next step, which is authoritarianism, because when you're into the new system, and Besmanov touched on that too, Yuri Besmanov, he said then comes the authoritarian movement to the normalization of the new system. And it's done in such a slick way, you think you're simply evolving into something. And of course, it's actually done through the war on terror. Now remember too, it's a play on the term, the war of terror, because in the French Revolution, and these revolutions are very old, been on the go for a long time, these different agencies, and uh, they called it the Red Terror, and the, and the same in, in, in the, the, the Soviet or Bolshevik Revolution, the Red Terror. As soon as they get going, they start a, a war of, of terror. We're, we're calling it a war on terror, but the public, of course, are the targets because uh, it's all of the public that are being monitored and watched and listened to and recorded and and all the rest of it. So uh, we really have merged into a super-Soviet system exactly like the Rees Commission found out in the 1950s when they investigated on behalf of Congress uh, why the big tax-exempt foundations like Rockefeller, Ford, Carnegie and many others uh, seemed to be promoting communism. And the one at the Ford, the CEO of the Ford one said that uh, our job is to change the culture so drastically in, in the U.S. and in the West uh, that they'll merge uh, seamlessly with that of the, the Soviet system. And here we are. It's happened. It's happened, folks. And it's strange, too, because you think back on it, Lenin said the same thing. He said that the dictatorship, which came in initially with the Bolsheviks, would last about a generation. And sure enough, it did, the Soviet system. And then, of course, it decided to take the walls down because they were no longer needed, because the West had been Sovietized without even knowing it. And it's not the old-fashioned what you think of as Soviet system. It, it's a, almost it's a combination of the two, like Lenin said, not quite fascist uh, and not quite um, uh, socialist. It's a combination of the two it's big, big governments. And it's really ruled by the big banking elite, of course, who seem to be holding companies for many of the big uh, corporations out there. They own them all. So uh, we're living through a script, as I say. And many of the big players that help bring this present culture into the degradation that it's at uh, wrote about it back in the 40s and 50s. They worked with international specialists uh, to bring in and change the culture. And uh, the Macy Group, for instance, the Frankfurt School and so on, were all given permission to alter the culture, especially of America and also of Britain. 
and they have done it very, very successfully until every every plank of their manifesto has has come to pass. But most folk are ignorant of it. We get caught up in today's news. And today's news never gives uh, reference to where it all started or where it came from. They just give you the, the outcome of today and who's passed what law and so on. But they don't go through the history of this. And if you don't understand the history, you won't really know what's happening or what's coming next or anything else. Because austerity is a big, big one. And uh, we've had big world meetings again with guys like Maurice Strong, who was picked up by um, Rockefeller when uh, he was only about in his 20s, early 20s. And he was pushed to the top and put in charge of big oil companies to get the to get the handle on how big money is operated and big power is operated. And he's had lots of jobs at the United Nations and all different departments, World Bank, you name it. He helped to set up the free trade agreement too between China and and the West uh, on behalf of the Council on Foreign Relations, Royal Institute of International Affairs, uh, private organizations. And, and that's what's running us, private organizations. But Maurice Strong talked about the system too, how they'd have to destroy in the West uh, all industry. Well, how they destroy most of it is actually by simply moving it out to China and setting up China to be the manufacturer for the planet. And that took a lot of work uh, and, and by the Sherpas, as they call the top bureaucrats, they go back and forth across the globe and draft all this stuff up to get them to sign. Lots, years and years of negotiations to set it up. And there wasn't a peep on the news about it. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix, talking about the big system, because that's all there is really, isn't there? And how it deceives you, of course, because this all, as I say, the whole world is run by private institutions that are all linked together and with special purposes for each one, the specialized purposes. Same with all the media associations, the media moguls, they all belong to the Council on Foreign Relations to standardize the news. I've gone through the history of the standardization of the news system, especially in the U.S., uh, because they published it uh, there in some books. In fact, years ago, the Rockefeller back in the, the Rockefellers back in the, the 1930s found out how many papers it would take, mainstream biggie papers and magazines, to take to influence all the other newspapers. And they eventually uh, owned about 30 of them, the big ones. And they came out with the fancy magazines and Harper's and all the rest of them uh, to influence all the other newspapers. Today, now, it's, it's basically all going through Reuters, which is, it was a Rothschild set up from the beginning. And they give most to the, the world their news today. So you've got standardized news information, which gives you, of course, your perception in the world, uh, maybe even your perception on yourselves, because it's also to do with cultural changes as well. So we're run by by a few, quite a few, uh, big private organizations, and they're bringing a world in, which is a new feudal system, as the, their own professor and historian of the Council on Foreign Relations admitted to in his books, 
uh, Carl Quigley, Professor Carl Quigley, admitted it in Tragedy and Hope and the Anglo-American Establishment. It's actually better to read the Anglo-American Establishment first because he goes through uh, the fact that this, 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 these people um, that ran the CFR as a branch of the Royal Institute for International Affairs, private organization again, uh, decided to take over the world and its resources in the late 1800s before they even gave themselves that name of their Royal Institute of International Affairs. Uh, they called themselves the Lord Alfred Milner Group, and they were in bed with Lord Rothschild at the time, and also with Cecil Rhodes. They merged together and called themselves the Royal Institute for International Affairs. So they wanted all their resources and ownership in private hands, their own hands, of course, and they also wanted banking cartels across the whole planet. These were the guys who brought you uh, the World Bank, private institution, uh, the, Council for the um, International Monetary Fund, the IMF, and, and um, the Bank for International Settlements, which quickly said himself was their ultimate goal. Through various bank crises and so on worldwide, they would standardize currency across the planet and the Bank for International Settlements would end up being the boss. Well, that's what you're going through today, folks. It's right on schedule for everything that's happening today. And the public, most of the public don't really know because the mainstream isn't going to tell you what I've just told you. Even though I said the insiders themselves wrote the books on it, for those who care to read them. So, we're living through a very uh, changing time, you might say, as we go from one system into the next system. And austerity is being pushed down all of our throats, and under the, under the guise of the war, on terror, you have a war of terror, just like they always do when they have a revolution and get it across to the public and to teach them they're into an authoritarian society. I've mentioned this many times over the years. Because the Club of Rome, the big think tank for the United Nations and the private philanthropists, as they call themselves, also came out with this in the 1970s, that democracy would never work. Uh, because there were too many competing uh, interested parties, self-interested parties, which is also true, by the way. Because the same organization set up all the non-governmental organizations which are funded by the institutions to make sure of this particular state of affairs where they're all crying for cash for their own particular thing and special rights for themselves and so on. And therefore, they were bringing the new feudal system and also make it an authoritarian-type system. That's what you're under now. We've been under it for years now, since 9-11. And uh, that's when the button was pushed to get all into action. They needed a Pearl Harbor event, as the PNAC group said, and here we are. We've got it all. The world is planned. The big changes are all planned. The elite lose nothing at all in any of the crashes because they, they plan them all. They don't lose a darn thing themselves. So... People will take it on all kinds of ways that they're not uh, ready for it. They're not ready to end uh, what they think is still national systems, national governments, but it's being forced upon them whether they like it or not. And everything that's presented by the mainstream, remember, is pretty deceptive. Even half-truths are, are, are deceptive by omission of all the rest of the story. Now, the Council on Foreign Relations drafted up the NAFTA agreement for the Americas to, to amalgamate together. Uh, the branch in Britain, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, the same organization, drafted up the European Union uh, integration and loss of sovereignty. Their, their head guy, the appointee, who's not elected by the people, Rompuy, said that last year, I think it was, and I read it on the air here, 
from the European papers that it was the end of national states that were obsolete. And that's what they're teaching them across Britain now, that you're all interdependent. This term interdependence means none of you can go independently anymore. You need the other countries. That's also why the few things that you do still make are, are, are divvied up between the different countries. Even to make a car. One part's made in one country, one part's made in another. You can't make the whole car yourself. You're interdependent. Which means you're totally dependent on that one system. This giant, this behemoth. So, what we find too is that they want a global uh, police force, but first they want, through their training blocks, to get uh, a special police force for Europe. Uh, America's the same. We're actually integrating the U.S. and Canada and Mexico. Our, our intelligence has been integrating for years now, and that came out on the news here, 2005 in Canada. But in Europe, you have this, this uh, new FBI for Britain, a country that sunk with mass immigration. Remember, destruction of the old culture was imperative to get this all through by mass immigration, and especially non-European immigration. And so they've got a new FBI, a country that's broke, supposedly. They're always broke until they find the millions or billions that need to suddenly launch this new operation. It says here, the National Crime Agency, the NCA, does Britain need an FBI? And it says the launch of the National Crime Agency is more than a rebrand. It has significant new powers over local forces. Again, it's not just centralization of all government uh, systems. It's centralization of all also in Brussels, because this is going to be part of the European police. And actually touches on that without saying so. (laughs) And that's how the media puts things out to you. Because after all, they want Britain to still pay for all. They're a particular part in it. And it says, it's a funny way of showing uh, that uh, themselves, this new FBI, and they, and they actually did a, a demo of, uh, of a fake arrest as, as uh, to launch themselves to the public. Just like Hollywood, isn't it? Everything's like Hollywood now. But it says from its headquarters in central London, the NCA has been quietly preparing the ground for this week's launch some two years after it was announced that it would replace the serious and organized crime agency. They should just drop the and from it and call it serious organized crime agency. Anyway, it says, but, but what's so wrong with, with SOCA that we need yet another rebranding exercise and what makes the NCA any different from its predecessors? The Home Secretary said it would relentlessly hunt down underworld crime lords and confront the growing menace of foreign gangs. Well, the foreign gangs shouldn't be in Britain in the first place. That was a, a side effect of mass immigration. That always go to the richer countries or, or where the, the people are like sheep. They're, they're easy going. They're, they know they're, they're just not street boys. And it says, um, and cyber warfare in a coordinated way. Well, they've already got massive uh, organizations in Britain for cyber warfare. And it says, but the same was said of Soka. The last Labour government felt it necessary to merge several specialist crime fighting forces because of a perceived lack of joined up thinking and cooperation. It's standardization over the whole lot, more than centralization. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. 
Hi folks, we're back cutting through the Mideast Reading an article It's about Britain and Europe But it goes for all every other country as well Including Canada and the States Because back in the 1970s uh, The big think tanks that work for the United Nations And the foundations that run the world uh, Came out with a lot of these predictions That as they went global and, and really pushed globalization Masses of people, especially criminals Would be moving into into the, the first world countries For easy pickings and big cash So they, it's back in the 1970s And, and actually earlier too if you read some of their old, old books But in the 70s they had it in the newspapers So we're going through, as I say uh, 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 This particular agenda That was set out a long, long time ago Before we were born Or our parents and, and often our grandparents were born This is an old, old agenda But it says here that this uh, Special organised crime agency Was supposed to help break down the, the turf wars And provide a seamless approach To tackling serious crime it was formed in 2006 out of a merger of the old National Criminal Intelligence Service and the National Crime Squad. And yet, despite developing a high reputation, especially in tackling uh, drug trafficking, it was effectively wound up or absorbed into the NCA after just seven years of operation. The vast majority of the NCA's work will be what SOCA did already. Illegal immigration, this is all to do with uh, the fact that the, the, the governments in Britain have been pushing mass immigration for years. And where it's legal or illegal doesn't matter. Drug trafficking, which comes with it, slavery, because Britain's now got slavery again because of the, the non-European peoples especially that's come into to the country. The cyber crime, I mean, really, we're going back into the ancient days, you know. Cyber crime and child sex exploitation and so on. So they've given this new chief director general, Keith Bristow, former police chief constable of Warwickshire, he's got, he's got the powers over all other police forces. He, he, just like the US has got different sheriffs and marshals and so on and all the way up, FBI, etc. Uh, he'll be at the very, very top and, and he can bring anybody into their, to, to their system or tell them what to do or, or encroach in anybody's territory and it's all quite legal apparently. Tremendous power. But I just tell you here that uh, it's, it's connected with all the European agencies, which of course is, is what they planned again years ago. Before they even gave you the EU, they had all this out in paper and they should talk about it all, what it would come to. So we're living through a script, as I say. This is a good article. It's quite a lot lengthy article, but I'll, I'll put it out there. And all the other articles I mentioned tonight uh, at cuttingthroughthemedias.com at the end of the night. And it's worthwhile reading to realize that we're really in a brand new system, folks. It's international. It really is international. And that's the message. And there's another article, too, uh, on, on the same topic. I'll put up, too. There's two articles on this one. But everything has to be special now, right? Being, being an ordinary constable or whatever, or special branch police or whatever, is not good enough anymore. Special was special, but I think it be extra special. You've got to be elite now, just like the movies, you see. And since 1911, that's just gone on across the board. They all want to be elite. And remember, part of the, this big agenda, too, is to, uh, and I've mentioned the psychological training units that they do for nudging the public to make them come to the right decisions. The U.S. has got them. Britain's got them, too. I've read articles uh, quite a few times on the air. Guess what's coming now? Elite social worker, of course. Elite social workers, for God's sake. Because, you see, it's important that they come into everybody's life and, everybody and, and train the children properly, not to have any opinions of their own that are not politically correct, you see. So, so elite social worker course attracts 1,000 graduates 
But this company called Frontline will take only the best 100. It's like, it's like applying for the SAS. And it's his rigorous government-backed tests modelled on the MI5 recruitment are to create robust child protection teams. Now, I don't know if you understand how they recruit for the MI5. They had a, a show on television in the BBC in Britain. Uh, and it went on for a few weeks, I believe. And someone sent me a disc to see uh, one or two of them. And they showed you how they recruit these people. Now, it's basically psychopaths you're recruiting because these guys take on personas to get in or out of houses or any institutions by pretending they're something else. In other words, they're, they're liars and they have no problem lying to people and convincing people that they're real and genuine. And you need a psychopath for that. So why do they want psychopaths for social workers? Well, it's, it's going to help to create robust child protection teams as they grab all the children and can go into court and stand up and see all the right things, you see. Since more than a thousand graduates have applied to become elite social workers, I'm going to give them wings as well in a uniform in the space of just one week at a time when the profession is once again under scrutiny over the deaths of vulnerable children emerged last night. Applications for Frontline, a two-year intensive training course to improve the status of the much-derided profession, have flooded in since the program opened last Monday. This is a news came from Rear-Brewster Profession, again under siege for its failures to protect the lives of two-year-old. And they give you, always give you one or two examples. And you're going to get them regardless. I don't care if every child is watching, you're going to get this. Uh, Keenan Williams and Hamza Khan for investigations into the death of Williams murdered by his mother at their home in Birmingham and Khan said in court to have been starved to death by his mother after his mummified body was found in his bedroom in Bradford, West Yorkshire were highly critical of the authorities' failure to prevent their deaths and actually these people come in and, and I think the dads were immigrants as well and, and some things are very vastly different in some cultures, folks and that's something you've got to accept it's true, you see Anyway, it says, these frontline applicants following a rigorous assessment process, including psychological tests based on selection for MI5 and MI6, will be selected to start the course next summer. Why would you be turning people loose on the public as social workers with this kind of training, folks? The spies get. And it says here, it's a fast-track program for graduates in improving standards in teaching and so on and so on. And, and, and they have to get courses and going to court, courses in how to talk in court to win your case, like lawyers do. You know, to lie better, sort of thing. And, um, it's just astonishing. I'll put this article up tonight for those that want to read it. But, I mean, I've already mentioned GERFEC, which is a standard for the world, really. But they're using this in Scotland, a version for England, where the state is putting in. Uh, in Scotland, they've already put them in, I think. Every child that's born now gets, an, gets a specially appointed agent from the government to monitor them throughout their years, uh, and probably all through until adulthood, maybe for the rest of their lives. And you can't deny them access to your home. It doesn't matter who you are. Everybody's to get one. This is Brave New is here. Brave New World, normal is 84. It's all here, folks. And it says here, let's say, look at special, uh, special uh, training to w- always win their cases. That's really what it's for. So, so much for, you know, so much for the, for democracy and all this nonsense people could be prattle on about for, and have been for years. Now, during the, uh, this present purposely made depression that had to come, remember, too. I mean, because economists used to say for, in all their courses for about 50 years in universities, 
that the industrialized societies were the ones that would always be first world. When you're no, no longer industrial, you're no longer first world, folks, because uh, in industry, uh, you have so much going into each area of industry, so many firms revolving around supplying, making, and so on for, for industry, uh, that, uh, and they're tax, 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 so the government gets lots of taxes and so on on every aspect of it, every sale, even to, to mines, for instance. Uh, and your engineering companies all, all working around about revolving around the main, main uh, workers. Just like Sudbury's, all mines, but you have stacks of businesses all supplying the mines. Once that goes, and the industry goes, uh, you, you no longer need all those people to supply you with anything, and they go under, or they move somewhere else. And that's what we have across across uh, uh, the Americas and Britain and elsewhere. Because remember, uh, in Britain especially, they planned to they actually signed it into their um, various treaties that they signed at the end of World War Two that Britain was to deindustrialize, but the public were not to be told this. And also, in 1948, they signed agreements to start off the integration of Europe and tell the public it was just free trade. Big lie. Didn't tell them it was for total integration until your national government became a, a little province, a provincial government of the big superpower in Brussels. Same for NAFTA for the Americas. We're living through a darn script, folks. It gets boring because once you've read it all, you've seen the movie before so many times that you know what's coming. And nothing will upset you because you know what's coming. And you know they can never tell the truth to the public, so you can even work out the ways they're going to introduce things to the public. And sure enough, they do. You become rather adept at predicting how they're going to introduce things to the general public. So I'll put this one up tonight too on the special elite social worker force that will get dropped in probably by parachute in your homes. And also this article too has to do with um, Warren, Warren Buffett. The big boys always make a killing when the public are suffering. It's just the way that they work things out. Rothschild said the same thing. He says, when do, when do you make your best money? When do you, you know, he says, when blood is running in the streets, that's when you make your money. Back with more after this. Hi, folks. We're back cutting through the Matrix talking about the big rich boys who always make money uh, in bad times because they plan the bad times. They're part of the elite, you understand. They plan the bad times that you only have while they profit. Even the NSA has come out in certain areas, has been discovered or disclosed by whistleblowers, uh, and they pass all this, this financial data, who's going to invest in what, blah, blah, to the big boys. So they can never pick a, a dud. They always pick the winners and make sure it happens, you see. It's quite easy. They all, all countries are doing that. But it says here that um, how Warren Buffett made an astonishing $10 billion from the financial crisis. He invested in well-known companies at record lows in 2008. That's why he always do. Rothschild also said uh, um, gold and all the rest of it, buy when it's low and sell when it's high. Anyway, it says investments acted as lifelines to firms. His endorsement and confidence saw their stock prices rise, just having his name on it up the prices. Sometimes special deals were created with buyback options, making them even richer. And he goes by the Oracle of Omaha. It says, be fearful when others are greedy, and be greedy when others are fearful. Doesn't that sum it up too? 
But it says, for many it was a period of financial turmoil as banks failed, stock markets tumbled and millions lost their jobs and their homes. And so however, because of crooks in the banks, they're all crooks, however, billionaire Warren Buffett kept on doing what he does best and began investing in a handful of blue chip companies during the crisis. Five years on, the value of those deals are clear from all to see. The second richest man in America uh, earned another $10 billion thanks to his choice investments. Just good guessing. Eh? You're told it's just good. These guys know what's going on. It says, although it proves that the rich are getting richer, also confirms the wisdom of Mr. Buffett's favorite investing maxims. Be fearful when others are greedy, and be greedy when others are fearful. Isn't that the truth of these characters, eh? Isn't that the truth of it? And, you know, during the Cold War uh, and across Europe and, and Britain and France and the rest of it, they were always churning out missiles. Every country had to, to get borrow more money from their private bankers to keep the, the Cold War, to get the proper missiles, you know, the proper ones, because the Russians, they claimed, were turning out new, better types every month, basically. So every month you had to have a, a, a Titan Mark 10 and, and an 11 and 12, and it was on and on and on. It was all a big racket, folks. Again, for the big military-industrial complex. But it's no different in the States, you see. The States are the same thing. And it was, it was great business for all these boys. Great business. And here's an article here that really spells it out for you without mentioning that. It says, it says here, the Security Industry Association, right? So it's an association of private corporations in the security industry has signed a Memorandum of Understanding, a contract with the Department of Homeland Security's Science and Technology Directorate, outlining an information-sharing agreement between the SIA and the Department of Homeland Security. So also, so all the things that DARPA and so on is doing is going to be shared with these private uh, industries that then sell us uh, 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 all the agencies, all the supercomputers, then the better Mark 10, 50 or 100, whatever it happens to be, model uh, uh, that's going to outdo all the hackers, etc. It's this endless, endless nonsense, this game they have to, to fleece the public. And here they're right in bed signing agreements. Right in bed, using the taxpayers' money for research and development and all the rest of it, uh, and, and then handing it all over to these private security industry associations. So the Department of Homeland Security's commitment to providing state-of-the-art technological capabilities to its operating components and the nation's first responders requires that it maintains awareness of cutting-edge advancements in the electronics industry, it says. And such a DHS will work with the SIA to bring together DHS employees, first responders, end users and private sector personnel in an online and or face-to-face environment to exchange information and facilitate technical discussions on common goals and achievable objects. In other words, once you share it with, with, with the private guys that are going to make a killing off of the, the, the taxpayer um, by keeping popping up new models with new bells and whistles, uh, then disguise uh, 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 the, the, the limit. There's, there's no end to the, all of this. Uh, and also, you never going to keep anything secret because these guys will be selling it to their countries as well. A lot of them actually work for other countries. So this is the farce. This is this is a new form of, of getting rid of what they call disposable income. That's what the Cold War was about. A big part of it. Always keeping you in debt. And governments love to go and borrow money for, for you know, to keep you all safe. Such a farce, isn't it? Such a farce. 
And also this Article 2, it says the objective of the NSA, the sexual objective, is literally the elimination of global privacy. And it says, around the world, by the way, the American writer who helped expose the NSA's far-reaching surveillance powers said Tuesday, uh, Glenn Greenwald, the UK's guardian, answered questions about the ongoing NSA leaks. And his source, that's, uh, he's living in our country, the now notorious former intelligence contractor Edward Snowden, during an online question and answer session held Tuesday on the website Reddit. Greenwald is amongst the pool of writers who have analysed reported on leaks attributed to Snowden since unauthorised disclosures first surfaced during this year. Since then, Snowden's documents have shown how the US government collects phone records for millions of Americans, compiles the internet habits of innocent citizens, and an array of other activity that's caused international backlash abroad and prompted lawmakers in the States to propose legislation aimed at reforming the NSA, which is a joke. Nearly four months after the leaks began, it told Reddit Tuesday that he believes in his opinion that people around the world have a basic idea of the objective of the NSA, which is to eliminate privacy worldwide, literally by ensuring that every human electronic communication is subject to being collected, stored and analysed and monitored by the NSA and its allies. Well, every country is doing the same thing, folks, because it's a global system. And believe you, the guys at the top own all these organisations and run them all. We're already global. The the ex-head of of Canada's uh, version of the NSA came out yesterday and said to all Canadians is that they know all about you. And don't ever put anything up that's personal up, he says, because it's the same as publishing it to the world. They just grab it all and store it. Anyway, so asked by a participant during the Reddit to ask me anything segment to explain what he thought was the single most shocking revelation to become from Snowden's leaks, Greenwald responded that the actual abilities of the NSA as detailed through the, those disclosures was what he considered to be personally the biggest takeaway. It's just that, that it's literally the elimination of global privacy, ensuring that every form of human electronic communication, not just those of the terrorists, is collected, stored, analysed and monitored, he said. Well, that's not news because I read the articles on the air from DARPA uh, and the Pentagon years ago on RBN, uh, where the Pentagon admitted to have a virtual you of all North Americans. And, and, and these programs in the Pentagon, they collect your daily data, they add, add it to your, your personality profile, and they've got a virtual you where they run war games on to see how you'd act and react in, in real life situations. You understand, this is the, this is the ultimate totalitarianism, folks. But we all must be predictable. Understand, tyrants to run the world must have a world which is perfectly predictable, with every individual in it perfectly predictable. And that's what it's for. That makes them feel safe at the top. It's for their safety, you see. Benjamin anyway, Greenwald's remarks echoed the words of NSA Director General Keith Alexander, who only last week told the Senate panel that he believed it was in the nation's best interest to collect everyone's telephone records regardless of any pending investigations and put them all into a, a lockbox, he called it. So it depends how many folks get the keys, eh? But this is the, the farce that we're living through under democracy. as we spread democracy across the world by blowing up other countries. In other words, we're standardizing the world into the one global system. And every little area has to have its own debts accumulated and borrow from the World Bank and getting the IMF involved and be responsible to the Bank for International Settlements.
What is this all about, folks? Standardization. Since the, the communists came, came out and, and Marxism came out too, but centralization, centralization of all power in your capital. And he meant it too. That's why he sent the telegraph to, to Lincoln at the end of the Civil War, congratulating him for centralizing the power of the USA. And it's not stopped. And now it's got to go to the global system. Well, that's the music coming in, folks, and now it just flies by indeed. So, from Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your God's school with you.